Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Welcome, and I'm John Langer. This week on Communication Mixdown, we're exploring intercultural communication, and we're traveling from the heart of our dear old Melbourne suburb, Collingwood, all the way to Tanzania, a country located on the east coast of Africa, sitting between Kenya in the north and Mozambique in the south. And we're going to be doing the exploring and traveling in part by way of digital media and educational game apps. Our special guest this week is Natalie Denmead, and I'm going to be, let her pick up the story in this pre-recorded conversation we had a couple of days ago. You sent me some biographical notes for the interview today, and in them you wrote, and I want to quote you back to yourself, if you don't mind, you're an Australian who works remotely in an organization called Cultural Infusion, which is based here in Melbourne. So let's start at the start. Very briefly, tell us about that organization, Cultural Infusion. So Cultural Infusion is a social enterprise founded by Peter Musafariadis, and he was uh, brought up here in Melbourne by Greek parents, and he describes his experience from Milk Bar to UNESCO. So he's taken those experiences part of an immigrant family and some of the traumatic experiences that went along with that to really being passionate about intercultural understanding. So he has a range of products that give children a taste of other cultures. For over a decade, the organisation has been visiting schools all around Australia. So right now, today, there's performers in New South Wales, Victoria, Western Australia, who are performing in schools and giving children something that they may not experience in their day-to-day life. And then recently he decided to branch out into the digital world. So now he has a range of digital products replicating what he's been so successful, offering face-to-face. So through Jocko's World, a little blue nightingale, I get to tell cultural stories in a digital format that can be distributed in Australia and then hopefully to an international audience. You said in your notes to me, you working remotely. I wanted to ask where and how remote... It's quite remote. So I'm on a little island off the coast of Tanzania called Zanzibar. There's a population of about 1.3 million people who are 99% Muslim. The island's been ruled by Arabic sultans for many years under a British protectorate with Portuguese, Russian, Indian, Middle Eastern, European influences. It's probably one of the most multicultural places you could find. You said, I've gone, this is you, I've gone from a high-tech, fast-paced world of educational technology to living next to a cave 
in a small Muslim village on solar power in an unfinished house. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more. Ndiyo, mimi nyumbani kidogo kidogo poli poli, which is Kiswahili for I'm building my house very slowly, which frees me up because I don't have a mortgage. So it's... um. It's a little bit in the bush. The village offered me this place to be the caretaker of this sacred cave, which, talking about communication mixed down, I see as one of the original places that encouraged communication between humans and the spirit world. It's the beginning of religion because we're talking about East Africa where humans began. So now I'm in a very privileged position where I welcome guests every day to come and see this cave and go swimming in the waters. And then I talk about Swahili culture. We offer them Swahili food, Swahili music some dancing, some drumming, and then I jump onto a Skype session with my team here in Melbourne and do some really cutting-edge, mobile-friendly, cross-platform educational games. Wow. So you're moving, you're both local and global, and we'll come to that. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about this um, this cave. I'm just trying to get a picture of it for, for myself and also for people listening. So it is actually a cave with water inside of it, is it? Yeah, it's about 60 metres in circumference, so you could only access it by climbing down a tree before I came, and it was only the holy people that would go down with offerings to the gods. So there's archaeological artefacts in there that help us understand our human story, and now tourists can walk down a bridge and come down, and the water is healing, perhaps at a scientific level because of the minerals, but perhaps at a spiritual level because you're washing away the things that are influencing you. And it has been a sacred site for, as you said, thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, this island was connected to the mainland until 10,000 years ago, so potentially 250,000 years since the cave itself was formed. We've actually found a, a femur in the cave recently of an ancient human that's fossilized and covered in calcite. It's just amazing for wow, me because I wow. did study archaeology a long time ago before I got caught in the ICT world. Yes. So it's been really nice to go back to my roots of... Um, that's of how I can bring these two worlds together. And you know what else? I, I'm very impressed with the fact that you can speak or you have just spoken Swahili. And uh, we, we'll come to that. But just, just as a bit of a sidelight, are you a speaker of Swahili? Are you learning it? Ndiyo. Mimi ki Swahili kitoko. Means I speak a little bit. Fantastic. Okay, let's turn. We've talked about the remote part and we've talked about cultural infusion. Let's talk about the working part. You work on cultural infusion, educational games, you've mentioned that, that try to promote intercultural understanding. And because we're a program about communication, I think this might be one of the features of your work that relates directly and precisely to communication. So give us a bit of an overview. You've mentioned a little bit about this the games that you're involved in developing and how they operate. Well, one of the games that I sent you through is a sneak preview that we're hoping to publish soon. It's called Jocko's World Adventures, hopefully. We'll agree on that title. So I'm actually tapping into my experience as a traveller and now creating a plot. And as a teacher as well, I've looked at the Australian curriculum. So I'm mapping the curriculum outcomes to these cultural stories through the avatar of this little blue bird. So he, he goes to Kenya and he's rather surprised that they have Christmas in Kenya and he's delighted. But that's me. That's what happened when I went to Kenya. So I, I've got this privilege now of telling all of these stories. Where next one we're working on is Peru, Thailand. So it's all mapped to the Australian curriculum of Africa and Southeast Asia. And the aim is to get children to imagine the beauty and the diversity and the food and the scary things and the fun things and give them a, a thirst for intercultural mixing 
rather than the fear that um, mm. that can sometimes be there when you don't know anything about these Abs- places. Absolutely, absolutely. Very important too. And the, the little avatar is named Jocko. Jocko. And just describe Jocko for us. He's a little blue nightingale and he... Um, he travels around with his mum, Eora, who's a cultural anthropologist, and his dad, Herbert, who's an ethnomusicologist. Just happened to be a cultural anthropologist mm. as a mum. Yes, yeah. So she speaks many languages. And Jocko gets himself into a bit of trouble, though, because often his parents leave him to wait while they're busy doing their things. But he always seems to get himself into terrible mischief. But he finds his way out because he's um, very inventive and, and curious. In terms of... Uh, games, uh, what age are they directed at? Uh, we have about 10 in our series. If you go to the website uh, culturalinfusion.org.au or the Jocko's World website, jockosworld.com, you'll be able to look at the range of games. They start from probably five years would be the youngest and up to 10, 12. Mm-hmm. Are you the one who... Uh, designs it, or are you working with designers? Are you the one who narrates it? How, how does it actually work in terms of the actual production of the game? Uh, we have a whole team. A lot of them are remote workers overseas. Uh, I haven't been involved in the older games that were there before me, but since I've joined, I've given feedback on the game design, and in this current project, I'm one of the main designers. Okay. But something like Pocket Planet, that's an award-winning app. of uh, It's a geography game. Or World of Instruments, it talks about all the different diverse instruments from around the world. There was a team involved in, in designing that a few years ago, and mm. one of them was a music teacher, so he was brought in with his experience in instruments. So, Yes, I, I actually, that was one of the things I did look at, and uh, I- interestingly, I, I looked at the one about the tambourine. Yeah. And I got to say that it, 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 it was in, indeed interesting. I mean, mm. the fact that there is this cross-cultural use of this particular instrument, different ways of using it and so on. And uh, tell us a bit more about about those musical parts of it. Well, the tambourine app, I think, really epitomizes what mobile learning is. It's First of all, mobile means that you can be anywhere while you're learning, but it also means that you're dealing with a mobile device. And when I was in Africa in 2014, 2004 for the first time, I just saw the potential with this huge infrastructure that the Chinese had funded and this huge thirst for knowledge and mobile phones. It was just this blew my mind away as an ICT mm. person. I could see the future. So the tambourine app taps into what a mobile phone can do. If you shake the phone, you play the tambourine. It actually responds to your movements. It's called an accelerometer within the app. Is that so? Okay, okay. So these smart devices that we're all carrying around, they know where we are through the GPS that we have. Our flute app has a microphone, so when you blow, the microphone on the phone detects and you're actually playing. So for children who grew up in uh, areas where, uh, in families where you couldn't afford luxuries like flutes or tambourines, now with a virtual app, they can experience the joy of music. They have to be able to have a phone, though. yes. Okay. Yes, you they do have to have, to have the, the phone. Afford the phone. Yeah. Okay. Um, look, the other thing that I, I wanted to ask about is, it's an interesting that you're you're related to issues to do with communication technology, and you're working remotely, but you're still able to connect to the education technology global community. Give us an example of how that would work. You said you, you know, you're you're in the morning, you're doing these things, and then in the afternoon, you're you're having these conferences. 
give us an example, you know, of how these these sort of things actually work. Well, we've got great 3G internet where I am. So I use my mobile phone as a hotspot to connect my laptop. And we have solar power where I live, so I actually have to wait until it's not rainy or cloudy to have a Skype meeting. And my team here is very patient with me and understanding that sometimes I just can't get the power that I need to talk. We we have Google Drive, which is a cloud storage, and that's actually enabled us to work the way that we have. It wasn't possible 10 years ago. But now we have uh, online spreadsheets where we each track what assets have been created and what needs to be done. And all of us have have access to exactly where the project is up to. And if we didn't have that communication between us, we wouldn't be able to work together as a team. And where is the where are your team? The, the project you're working on now, the, the one about the adventure in different countries, Where's the, where are the rest of the team located? Most of them are just two blocks away from you right now. <laughs> so I'm visiting here at the moment. I'm an Australian right. on holidays, and right. it's been so, so nice to meet them face-to-face for the first time. Okay, so they're in Collingwood. Yes. Okay. 3CR Radiothon 2018, Fight for Your Mic. The 3CR annual Radiothon fundraiser is almost here. From June the 4th to the 17th, we're asking you to help us stay on air by making a generous donation. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. To donate, call 039419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au 3CR Radiothon 2018 Fight for your mic We're listening to a pre-recorded interview with Natalie Denmead and she's an educational games designer with an organization here in Melbourne called Cultural Infusion that specializes in intercultural communication. But she herself now lives and works on Zanzibar, an island off the coast of Tanzania. Here's part two of our conversation. Now, another string to your bow, if I can call it that in relation to your working life, is something called Living Cult- the Living Culture Program. In a way, it's to me, it sort of reverses what you're doing in the game development area, which requires global interconnectivity. Here, I understand that the, the drive is to document, preserve, and communicate about very local cultural practices. Now, you're the local coordinator of this Living Culture Program. Talk to us a bit about this. Well, I'm very glad that I've got this contrast because I didn't want to spend 20 hours of my day in front of a keyboard because that to me is not living. So now I'm managing that time that I am using technology and the rest of the time I'm outside drumming and singing and dancing with people who mainly speak Swahili, so I feel a little bit left out. That's why I'm trying very hard to learn Swahili. Mm. So through cultural infusion and, and Peter's generous support, we can f- pay teachers. So we've brought in culture bearers or master artists in Swahili dancing and singing and drumming and we went to the... Um, the local young young people, and now they're coming up every day. We thought it was going to be weekly, but they got into it, so now they come every day. And I built a performance space for them with covering, and the tourists who were visiting enjoyed hearing and watching. So now they're starting to even go out to hotels and earn an income from their new skills of uh, performance and engaging with an audience as well as the actual traditional skills. 
So you, you're basically getting the local community to engage in this program, particularly young people. And how do they get trained up? Is this the, what you're saying about, about the community leaders sort of taking uh, a teaching role in this? Yeah, so through the Living Culture Program, the, the teachers are, are funded. They get a salary. Okay. And we on the website, if you look up the Living Culture Program, people have the opportunity to sponsor one of these teachers for a few dollars a month. A few people doesn't sound like a lot to us, but it's enough to keep these teachers working. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly subsistence living. Is that is that correct? Where you are? It is. Yeah. Even though we have a lot of tourists coming, and it's a beautiful island. Since the fifteen years I've been involved with the community, I haven't seen a standard increase. And hunger is common. Cholera. When that breaks out and you've got malnourished children, you're talking about one of the poorest countries on earth. Mm-hmm. And how do you go about selecting the cultural leaders? Do they sort of, do they present themselves or is it word of mouth? How do, how do you actually find them? So far it has been word of mouth. There is a university on the east coast of Africa called the College of Arts where a lot of uh, people from Europe have come through and trained performers over the year. So that's been a source of highly qualified people who have a, a huge range of skills. So we're branching out into some new programs now of sculpture, um, weaving, embroidery, and drawing. So we'll be doing more than just the, mm, the dancing mm. and the drumming that we're running at the moment. All of which, I guess you could say, relates in one way or another to communication, of course. It does, yeah. Dance, um, the story that they're performing at the moment is about the male rite of passage. And it's a, a beautiful theatrical story of young boys who are being disrespectful and the older man takes them away and teaches them how to be a man. And then if they, um, then they undergo a circumcision and if they prove worthy, then they can be married. But they do all of this through dance. So they're communicating a story. With, and most, well, none of the students speak English, so they couldn't talk to a tourist and talk about their culture, but they can dance and tell this story. And in the end, all the boys come out and try to impress this girl, and she dances around and lets one of them drink from her water bowl as a symbol of her acceptance. And this um, process, this ritual, is something which is traditional. It's part of the heritage of the, mm. of the culture of that particular community. It is, yeah. So they're telling the stories of their culture. Now, your publicity material uh, for the project talks about village consultation. And this is another interesting thing because you're the coordinator and you need to meet with the local communities to understand, this is from from what I read, to understand local needs and overcome obstacles. And all of this, to me, relates to communication, another mm-hmm. level of communication I imagine this is a very tricky sort of area. Is is it something which is? Are there obstacles, and what would they be for us? List, you know, hearing what you what you're doing, and are there questions about language? Are there questions about negotiating with particular leaders in the community? How does this all work? Well, language is is a big obstacle for me. I did think I'd learn Swahili quicker, but it's um, taken me some time. So having people that can translate for me has been essential. So Saidi worked with us through Cultural Infusion for many months, and he still assists me now in coming to these meetings as a translator. The The obstacles is... that The main obstacle that we faced when getting it started was religious, that the, being predominantly Muslim, that... Uh, 
different people had different opinions about what was acceptable. So that ended up being quite uh, causing a lot of conflict and I just backed off from all of it and said, if, if you view that dancing and drumming is, is not appropriate or suitable, then tell me about your other traditions. Tell me about the weaving or the let's go somewhere else. Yep. And then eventually another group of people came to me with some older women and they were quite happy to have lessons in drumming and dancing and who was I to argue when the older women come to me and tell me what they want. So I, let, I left them to face the men if they, <laughs> if they wanted to come and talk uh, to us. A good communicational strategy for sure. And these dear ladies walk up to our property. It's a 10-minute walk. Every Tuesday night we have a public performance and by 11 o'clock midnight they'll walk back down through the dark and they're just so committed to being um, chaperones, if you like, of the process and, and they're handling that different, different ideas. And I've personally visited the chief Sheha many times and explained that I'm a mother and I, I want a space that celebrates culture without going in to the extremes of party mode that Zanzibar can get to sometimes with European visitors. Mm. And I've asked for a very clear set of guidelines of what's allowed, particularly because it's a sacred site with this cave, with shatanis and genies that inhabit the cave. We wouldn't want to offend them. So mm. I've said, if you give me any rules, I assure you that I'll make sure all of the volunteers and staff and teachers comply with um, with those restrictions. Mm, mm. You, you mentioned the, the women, the older women coming to see you. I, I would have thought that was another area. Maybe I'm imposing my, my view. Uh, uh, the fact that you are a woman and you're involved in this kind of stuff, is that an obstacle you had to overcome as well? Yes, very much so. Um, it's... It's a very different world for, for women. We're, we've got quite a few young girls in our student group, which is amazing. We've got three girls who perform, and that's quite unusual for Zanzibar because normally once a woman is married, she's not allowed to do anything involving music or performance. So the they might do a bit while they're in their late teens, but then they're very busy doing other things and the husbands don't permit them. So for me, as a woman living there, I think, it's quite surprising that I drive a car is pretty surprising. Mm, very interesting. So you're a bit of an innovator. You're, you're yeah. creating a few waves there. Yes. And sometimes just what I'm doing is enough without anything more, just watching that mm. I'm there with my two children and their father's here in Australia, so I'm really managing on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's um, Very interesting. Yeah. Now, I want to finish up because uh, we're, we're just about out of time, and I want to go back to your biographical notes that you sent me. And I want to, again, read something to you. I was struck by this. I want to quote you back to yourself. I jumped on the back of the technology dragon to be involved in steering it, not because I idolize it. My original optimism is fading as I see a rapid, cha- rapidly changing world of communication I'm closely observing how people in my village in Zanzibar are using mobile, t- mobile technology and the Internet. I wanted to ask you, what are you observing in the village that's making your optimism fade? Well, I somehow thought that once you got a mobile phone that you might go into Khan Academy and teach yourself some algebra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are an optimist. <laughs> Perhaps I expected too much. <laughs> and there are people doing that. There are a few very talented people, but really what people want is to talk to each other. And I, I analyse app usage across various countries to, to see what eight-year-olds like across the world, and it was pretty much the same. 
the mm. top five in all the countries were the same. It changed when you got to be a late teenager or in the, the older demographic. It was always communication apps in the developing world, Africa and Asia. In Australia, it was very different what the most common apps were in that demographic. And that, that sums up to me that once you get these devices in your hand, communication is what people want. They want to be on Facebook. They want lots of friends and they want to put photos of themselves up. And I've got many friends from my village now in my Facebook feed. And the, um, they love putting photos of mm. just normal every day. And then their friends, is the, I've realised that poverty, I always thought hunger would be the hardest part of poverty, but boredom is the hardest part. Once you've got a device to entertain you, you're, mm. you're addressing one of the biggest problems of poverty, that you've got some entertainment and it's connecting not just with people in your own village, but that thirst to be connected with people outside of your own little village. That's what I would say I see most people doing. I'm very concerned about uh, the use, the misuse of internet, finding SD cards lying in the rubbish and trying to figure out who they are and realising that the 10-year-olds in this village have access to so much pornography, even offline, and it's shared. They've got the skills to share these files around. Sure. And having my own children warn me, saying, Mum, don't look at those because mm. they know what's, what's right. there. Right. And that's shocking to realise that mm. even the youngest kids are exposed to that mm. on the internet. Mm. So, that, so there's upsides and downsides yes. as, you're, as you're observing it. Yeah. Look, maybe this is a good place to finish because I think people listening may be interested in finding out more. So tell us where we can get some information either about Tanzania or about cultural infusion and uh, – yeah, let us know. Well, first of all, I'd like to invite you to come and visit. We have some little coconut huts, so we, we have space for volunteers to come and stay. So if you'd like a holiday in Zanzibar, one of the most beautiful places, but also contribute to the community, there's lots of activities you could get involved in. At um, So have a look on our Facebook page is where you'll see lots of updates. So have a look for Cultural Infusion on Facebook, or the, the website is um, also a place where you can mm -hmm. find out how you can sponsor the Living Culture Program. We'll put those links on our Communication mm -hmm. Mixdown website, 3CR Communication Mixdown website. Thanks for spending some time with us on the show. Asante sana means thank you very much in Swahili. That was Natalie Denmead. She's an educational games developer and designer and a specialist in intercultural communication who now lives and works on her digital projects remotely on the island of Zanzibar off the coast of Tanzania in East Africa. And if you want more information, as you heard, we'll be putting it on the Communication Mix, Mix Down website and we'll have links and we'll also have the podcast of this show shortly. Don't forget, 3CR Radiothon is coming up next month and you need to dig deep and donate so that 3CR and Communication Mixdown can stay on air for another year. That's us for Communication Mixdown. It's another week, another edition, and we'll be here again next Thursday. I thought we'd go out with some music that Natalie provided. This is Tanzania and uh, some Tanzanian music. The song's called Jumbo. And according to Natalie, it's a real crowd favorite. Jumbo, wow.